Eric, remember how a couple of episodes ago I said I tend to resist things that other people like? I do remember that. So it just happened to me. I just did it again. I avoided what we do in the shadows for months, if not years. I'm not even sure how long that's been out because two series, two seasons are out now. But I was a huge fan of the movie. I was so sure that a TV series could never do what the movie was going to do. And when people liked it, I sort of regressed into this whole, like, it's they must not appreciate the film. They don't know how good it could really be. It's probably It's probably awful. And I just avoided it. Here in pandemic times, I've been really desperate for stuff to watch, and I turned it on. It is fantastic. This is my, like, way late take, but I love it. It's so good. I feel like so many people I know have just started watching this show, myself included. I also watched it during pandemic, and yeah, this show is great. It's so funny and smart and well cast. There's a lot of great cameos in it. I love Nick Kroll. He's in it. Uh, it's, It's fantastic. Yes, I tweeted, and this is true, that I think Guillermo is one of the best characters with one of the best arcs that I've ever seen on television. And I put it up there with Walter White. I'm like, wow, look at this arc that's happening. Look at this character evolution. You just dream of characters who change over time and going on a journey with them. And I'm so shocked and pleased when I can continue to have strong emotions about a character through every sort of phase of their of their evolution. What a, I mean, Guillermo himself, I think, is a reason to watch the show if you were a fan of the movie. There's nothing like him in the movie. So that brings up an interesting and relevant question. Whose arc in She-Ra do you, I don't think most relate to, but do you find the strongest? Like, do you you cheer for them at every, at every aspect of their character? Because I think my answer is the obvious one, and it's kind of a cop-out, but Adora's arc is my favorite. Yeah, Adora, I think, has the strongest arc. I mean, there's the most written about her i think the the arc that i root for the most is glimmer if you look at the beginning of the show she's sort of under the thumb of her mother they have kind of a contentious relationship the the power her mom has as a parent and also as a queen really keeps glimmer i think from spreading her wings. Uh, I don't think that's what Angela wants, but it's what ends up happening. And also, because Angela's around, Glimmer's actual powers don't get to manifest to their best ability either. And so seeing Glimmer gain the most sort of superpower in the moment of greatest grief is a really incredible thing to watch, and I really like who she becomes when she becomes queen. That's a good answer, and relevant to this episode because you'll notice that we didn't talk about characters that other people really wanted us to talk about. And so what are we about to do is we're going to turn it over to other people. So let's get to that. Talk to me, darling, with a message of love. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Shira, Progressive of Power. It's really us this time. I'm Eric. And I'm Lauren. We're not doing some weird spin-off different title. This is just actually our show. 
it is it the podcast police haven't found us yet <laughs> I, I i laughed out loud because someone messaged us on facebook yesterday just to say the Uh-oh. podcast police are coming and i thought that was so funny i loved that um i, I love that people are listening to us that closely that Sometimes they throw our own in-jokes at us, and for a hot second, I forget what, that we did them. I was like, well, podcast police. And then I listened to the episode and went, all right, all right, of course, very good, haha. Especially <laughs> because you totally messaged me yesterday to be like, AJ thinks you're an idiot because you told her that <laughs> stupid, like, bigger Horde Prime with better muscles and guns, and she completely took me seriously, and I was like, yeah, but uh, hopefully our listeners didn't. I just want to say on Mike that I did not call you an idiot. You are doing that to yourself. I would never say that about you. You didn't use the word idiot, but you certainly implied that AJ thought I was kind of a, a simple person, which is absolutely correct. <laughs> AJ just thought that you had a really genuine dream about Horde Prime. <laughs> she, admit- <laughs> she was so, so like on my level that she thought I was like telling her my deepest hopes for new she-ra and that they were that horde prime would come back with bigger guns i'm writing star wars episode 10 by the way (laughs) um it's uh it's about it's about emperor palpatine and another death star uh, yeah but this death star oh i call it the um uh double death star because it'll kill you once and then palpatine will bring you back to life to kill you again Right, and he's not just Emperor Palpatine. Now he is High Lord Emperor Palpatine <laughs> Supreme. Okay? That's what, this is why I'm moving to Hollywood because <laughs> he's got a Wars, lot of good ideas. Star Wars needs the opinion of almost 40 year old men about what kind of cool ships can go in the next movie. I feel so <laughs> gross. Let's stop talking. Um, so this episode we're about to do, okay? So when we were talking about how to get to 100, and I think for a while we thought we weren't going to be able to do it, but we're doing it. Uh, Lauren and I had a thought to do something like this, and then we got a letter from uh, a listener named Avery that cemented it. Uh, kind of what we want to do is turn it over to you all for an episode. Um, just hear what the fans have to say about Shira and what it's meant to them, because this is such a wonderful show that speaks to so many people and I, I, I don't think Lauren and I, you know, do the the rainbow of it all justice, so to speak. Yeah, the only opinions that we truly know intimately are, are our own. Uh, we try to bring on diverse guests and different points of view. But, you know, we only know so many people. And so we really wanted to hear from you guys. And this has been a joy to uh, hear what you have to say, because we've listened to all of these clips already. I have cried over them and um, maybe get a tissue ready. <laughs> yeah, I guess for me, <clears throat> I was telling Lauren yesterday, I, you know, one of Shira's kind of key themes is this like diversity of voices working together in harmony. And I started to feel a little guilty that uh, for me, the show is kind of a pop culture oddity. Like it's as a reboot of something I loved as a child, it's you know, something I was going to watch anyway, and it was fun to dig into it. But something that became very clear from all our listener interactions is that to a lot of people, this is a way to like explore very real facets of their identity, which is not, uh, as they say, a place where I have skin in the game. And so I really wanted to hear from people who do. And I think we got a lot of that. And we got a lot of other stuff too. So we are going to play for you 
just segments of the audio re- we received. I think we're going to get to everybody. And um, we'll just we'll just interject every now and then a little context. But for the most part, uh, that you guys are leading this episode. Yeah, and we're going to kick it off with uh, the aforementioned Avery's note. This is the person who inspired this whole episode. So let's hear from Avery. With all good things, what Chira means to me is complex. And I could say a dozen different things about the show. But if I had to sum it up in one word, it'd be hope. Not the hope that if we carry on, things will eventually get better, but rather the hope that if we keep fighting, make friends, and care about each other, we can make the world a better place. That even as everything seems dark and the challenge before us insurmountable, we're going to win in the end. And I think from the podcast and what I've seen online, Shira means that to a lot of people. That's really important right now. Also, the show is really queer, and that's great, and there isn't a part of me that doesn't love it. It's actually what originally drew me to the show. Anyway, Eric, Lauren, thank you for the great podcast these past few years. I look forward to seeing what you both do next. All right, so kind of, you know, playing off Avery's reflection, we're going to start with a, a series of messages from folks who just kind of wanted to share in general what Shira made them think about and how it made them feel, uh, kind of reflections on the fandom and, and philosophy in Shira and all sorts of other cool stuff. Uh, there is a shout out in this block to uh, your favorite character as well, Lauren. Oh, Natasa? No, your favorite character. Oh, great. <laughs> Hello, Eric. Hello, Lauren, and everyone else who is listening to this. Um, I am Agatha, and I'm here to tell you what Shira means to me. So, I first started watching Shira out of curiosity, and because it was annoying dude bros and boomers, and anything that annoyed them gets my attention. <laughs> but it was unpretentious. But it grew into my heart the more episodes I watched. I was I got very emotional, overwhelmed by the relationships, the road beauty, and especially by Catradora, my beloved ship. I'm always being a fan of Animus to Lovers, and it was the first time I saw this on screen with a main lesbian couple. So it was really, really important to me to see myself in a certain way in, on screen. Uh, and as a person who has been through a lot of fandoms, I can say this is the very first time I both see myself on screen and I feel the sense of whole belonging in the whole fandom. So, fandoms can be problematic, but, well, still, I connected a lot with this one. I made great friends, I met great people, so I can only be grateful for this experience. Thank you, Shira. I am so grateful for Shira. I think it might have rewired my brain in a positive way. After binge watching it six times, I've discovered that my writing has become a lot easier for me. I am able to focus and I am much more transparent with myself. I've loved the show from the beginning, but really season five hit me hard Uh, because of watching it at the same time that so much is going on with regard to criminal just demands for criminal justice reform 
has really made me think about the idea of redemption and justice and how we connect this idea of punitiveness with justice. And, you know, there are times where that's necessary with people whose crimes stem from a sense of unchecked entitlement. But and there are more often when you're talking about violent crime and street crime and stuff, you're talking about people who have backgrounds more like Catra's in terms of lack of social support and abuse and the lack of suffering in their life is not the root of their actions and how we've attached this punitive idea to the wrongs you've done that you have to suffer a certain amount to make up for them rather than focusing on a restorative idea of justice and the idea that you that becoming better means doing means being better rather than having to suffer a certain amount which more often than not just leads to more suffering I could write an entire essay about what Shira has meant to me but mostly I love it so much because it was a really bright thing I had in one of the darkest times in my life because, you know, high school drama can be a little bit rough sometimes and no matter how sad I was or how much I wanted to cry, if I turned on Shira, I instantly felt better and was all smiles. And it also showed me a lot of love and let me know it's okay to want to be loved and it was a really good place of acceptance for me because as a trans person of color, it's hard to find shows with characters you can relate to but watching Shira made me understand that it's okay to be me, no matter who I am. And it has a lot of really positive male role models that I can look up to, like Bo and Seahawk, who are my absolute favorites. And it also re-inspired my dream to work in the art industry, which hopefully one day will lead to me making my own cartoon that can mean something to people like Shira has meant to me. And without that, I'd probably be becoming a history teacher right now. Or trying to. But Shira has meant the world to me. And I'll always be grateful for that. So, speaking of characters, you know, as we kind of talked about, uh, people really wanted to share with us this whole time kind of characters that they saw themselves in. Uh, and interestingly, maybe these were the characters that we sp- spent the most time, like, dissecting. I don't know whether that speaks to the fact that, like, they're they're interesting and layered or whether um, kind of our, like, criticism of them galvanized people to see themselves more in them. I don't know. That's, that's a really interesting phenomenon, I think. Yeah, I have found the fandom, in a good way, to be quite insatiable, especially when it came to Catra. I sort of joke a lot that we get so many letters about Catra, but, you know, we we did the whole Chatra bit because I think there would be people who would genuinely listen to that much Catra content. There is a recording in here that you're about to hear that really made me understand that for some people, Catra really shows them parts of their own personal identity. And I really appreciate uh, that people sent this stuff in because I, you know, see myself in some of the older characters. I really see myself in Angela and Casta. And uh, knowing that there are different reasons that some of these characters really made it into people's hearts. That's exciting and valuable to me. If you guys had a podcast, I would totally listen to it. 
And before we get to Catra, we're going to take a little stop over at Entrapta Land. Uh, I think it's funny that only two months ago, I had absolutely no idea what she was. And then season five came out and Cortadora happened and Twitter slapped me in the face multiple times with the fact that she was the next big queer thing and I absolutely had to watch it. I'm Gersak, so you bet I did. And now, here we are, and I've watched the entire show three times in a row, and Earth Part 2 is my morning alarm. Saying I'm obsessed with it is a bit of an understatement. But though I came in exclusively for the gay, and I'm a shameless Catra apologist, sorry Lauren, this isn't my biggest revelation of the show. My biggest revelation is Entrapta. So I'm not exactly what you could call neurotypical, and I'd never seen a character so like me in a show like that, that being a sci-fi fantasy show. So like Entrapta, I'm kind of socially inept, deeply focused on my interests, and I tend to lose perspective a little when I'm focused. But Entrapta's storyline isn't focused on how weird she is, and the resolution of the arc doesn't revolve around her overcoming her difference to become a well-adapted member of society. In the end, Entrapta is recognized as a valuable friend with her difference, and is not forced to change who she is to fit in, and uh, I think it's a very powerful message to send out into the world. Hello, I'm Daniela from Venezuela, and first of all, I want to thank uh, Eric and Lauren. Your podcast is great, and now you're giving us the opportunity to the fans to express how much we love She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, and to me, this series it represents a lot. My uncle passed away from cancer last year, and... Shira was like a an oasis to me, <laughs> and I enjoyed it so much, and I found so much peace watching this show, and I'm so grateful for this. Hordak and Entrapta are my favorite characters. Their relationship is everything to me. In the episode where Entrapta talks about how imperfections are beautiful <laughs> uh, it's everything to me it's so beautiful and she expands Hordak's view of the world of his life and about his own value he learns that he he's worth something despite being told that he is imperfect or that he has flaws and that he's this defective. His father, his creator, uh, mistreated him for that, cast him away. But Entrapta loves him just the way he is. And she says that he's beautiful the way he is. And he hadn't heard that before ever. So that, that, that changes everything for him. And... Entrapta's love and his self-value is what uh, makes Hordak take the decision to face uh, her prime finally and be himself. That's so amazing and so validating. There are so much people that are suffering similar stuff and 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 that's wonderful. So I just want to thank Noel Stevenson and Josie Campbell and Shane Lynch and 
everyone in the crew, designers, storyboard artists, everyone, voice actors. Kesson Jung is <laughs> he's so loved by me. I, I love him so much and I am really grateful for the show. So thank you all, all of the crew, every, everyone who worked in this. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Eric and Lauren. This is Amelia. Pronouns are she, her, hers. What She-Ra means to me. Uh, She-Ra has really given me this permission um, to be more open about my bisexuality, particularly my attraction towards women. It's just made me feel so proud and joyful and has given me peace and restitution in that way with my sexuality, which is something I've never had before. Um, and it's also just reminded me um, to be more kind and generous and forgiving um, of my younger self, who, like Katra, made some really, really uh, devastating choices born out of hurt and trauma when I was at a dark place in my life. Um, and so to watch a character like Katra go on that journey um, has just been so beautiful and, and important and transformative to watch. Um, it's, it's just been so great, and I cry every time I watch it. Um, but I'm so glad that this show is here now for young people to see themselves in these characters. I'm so, so happy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for everything that you do on this podcast. I can't wait to see what you do next. Hit me up if you ever are going to do Chatra chats. Um, I could go on for 50 episodes at least, but I know I have to keep it short. Thank you. It's been a joy listening to she Progressive of Power. You're both so amazing. Um, thank you very much. Uh, my name's Jacob. This is probably going to go over 90 seconds, so feel free to cut it however you need to. But uh, like so many other people right now, my uh, my world has just completely been turned upside down in the last few months. I'm like a typical cis white boy in my mid-20s who grew up in Oklahoma. I spent most of my life in church. Uh, my family's been planted at the same place my entire life. And I really got accustomed to serving others, uh, sometimes at my emotional expense, and never really opened up to people even when I faced some of the worst experiences of my life. And I developed some super extremely unhealthy habits and ignored a lot of the issues surrounding my anger. And I filled in a lot of ways to control it at times. And I lashed out against innocent people, like never physically, but in ways that I'm still like super ashamed of. And I pushed everyone away. And the last couple of years, I've just been wandering around aimlessly in life, like just becoming more and more disillusioned with the state of the world. And, uh, but the last two months, some really disturbing stuff has come out against my church and the leaders there. And like, turns out it's, it's been like this cult this whole time. And I've been a part of this and I've like helped perpetuate this like toxic culture there. And everything has been crumbling around me. And I've never really been as isolated as I am today, which I know is a lot, uh, self-induced, but it has given me a lot of time to get into, uh, some television series and, uh, the She-Ra one really stuck out to me while I was like looking through them because of its art style. And I've always been a fan of like kids, uh, like deep lore kind of stuff like Avatar, The Last Airbender. And I really connected with Katra, 
uh, I recognized and related to her insecurities and abusive actions and how the horde was essentially a cult as I've come to find out about my own church. But uh, her story of redemption was like a dark mirror and, but it really gave me a little bit of hope. Uh, I finished the entire series in a week and then I started to look for more like masters of the universe stuff. And I was like getting all into it and I found y'all's podcast and I've just been binging it like nonstop on my like work trips that I take. And uh, I actually finished the most recent episode you guys put out while the day that I'm recording this. Uh, But like as a stereotypical manly guy, it's super unfamiliar and really uncomfortable even like recording my feelings and sharing them with y'all. But I recognize how necessary it is now. And I found it so freeing to just dive into like the socio-political stuff surrounding it and how it relates to others and us individually. And it's really opened my mind in so many new ways and inspired me to take like real action Like I used to be silent about a lot of things, but recently I've been gaining courage and speaking against cutting out toxic family and friends who don't support black lives, LGBTQ community, and just injustice wherever I see it. And I'm hardly the person I was two months ago, and I truly hope I can become a better person. I don't want to make excuses for like any of my mistakes. It's still a long process of forgiveness and acceptance, but... I've started looking for therapy, I'm enrolling in college, and I'm still a little (laughs) pessimistic about society, but I'm a little bit more optimistic about my life, and I want to just do so much more now than what I've been doing, and thank you guys for your show, it's been a huge influence uh, lately, she runs an amazing show, and I'd hold it up alongside Avatar as like a necessary watch for everyone, particularly for the catchers of the world, so thank you guys. Now, this next group of people is sort of bunched together because they are a little bit older. They're, you know, like Eric and me's age. And we've talked a lot on this show sort of self-deprecatingly about, like, we're not Shira's target demographic. It's not made for us. A couple of times now, the listeners of this podcast have really called us out in a loving way that Shira is for everybody and if you see something in yourself that is reflected in this show then it is for you you're part of the demographic um this group of submissions really does a wonderful job showing why a cartoon can be valuable to people in their 30s or their 40s people who are parents people who are divorced um Eric and I talked in a earlier episode about how we didn't grow up with cartoons that showed LGBTQ plus characters. There was not overt queerness in animation. And so for everybody, you could be 70 years old and this could be the first time you're watching a show that you see yourself in. And so I really appreciate how everyone has made me realize maybe we should stop dogging ourselves about our age and saying we're too old for it because we're, we're all here in, in this fandom. There's a TV critic I really like named Heather Hogan, and what she said about She-Ra is, I'll never get over it. And that's exactly how I feel. I'm a 40-year-old grown-ass woman, and when I saw that kiss in the series finale, I was literally screaming. I had to pause the show. My wife had to tell me to calm down. I just couldn't believe it. Lesbian love saves the universe. A lesbian kiss saves the universe in a children's show. We just don't usually get nice things like that, and I'll never get over it. 
I spent about two weeks bringing Shira up in pretty much every conversation, whether it was appropriate or not, including with my work colleagues. Uh, I've been pretty desperate to talk about the show, and there isn't really anyone who um, who I know who's as obsessed with it as I am, let's say. So it's been really nice to listen to your podcast and get to really delve into it week after week and kind of think carefully about the themes and the and everything that's going on in it. It's been really nice. Also, as an aside... The Getting Ready montage in Princess Prom is probably the best 75 seconds of animation of all time. As a kid in South Africa, He-Man was everything to me. And when I found The Secret of the Sword and his sister, it was a case of twice the amount of awesome. I used to make a beeline for that tape at the video store every time we went. Shira and her brother have stuck with me throughout my life, and the moment that sticks with me most, in both incarnations, is that first time Adora consciously, definitively decides to become Shira, to save her brother, to defend Glimmer and what Glimmer stands for, when she's galvanized by what's right, what she has to do, when she decides to fight for the honor of Grayskull, and that transforms her into this juggernaut for good. I think that's something that really appeals to the hero resting in each of us. Hey folks, Alex here. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. Um, I was made aware of this podcast before I watched a single episode of She-Ra, but I am so grateful that both have been a part of my life. I do not expect to watch a TV series literally called Princesses of Power and find my avatar in the cishet braggadocious pirate charmer Seahawk, but I will always be a theater kid at heart, so it was fated to be thus. Um, I do think my enchantment with Seahawk helped sway certain other hearts and minds into his favor, so not mad about it. Um, didn't quite get there with Catra, but I do so love her too. Um, I'm not the target audience for Shira. I am old now. But, and I know I'm restating a popular sentiment, but seeing a young adult animated program that is so inclusive and so representative across the queer spectrum is absolute magic to me as a non-binary person who only came out relatively recently. Um, knowing that kids and teens get to see such a well-crafted narrative where queer characters struggle with loyalty and loss, abuse, power, responsibility, and love, while normalizing the queer experience in the background of epic storytelling, fills me with so much pride and hope for the future at a time when so few things do that. Um, I wish that I had Shira when I was in the target demographic to help me find every bit of strength I had and never let it go, because I didn't find that until much later. So thank you, Noel Stevenson, thank you, Eric, and thank you, Lauren. Shira means a lot to me. I lost my job of six years because of the pandemic. I haven't really had a passion for anything in forever, and I'm 31. And also my dad died two years ago of uh, suicide. And so it's been a pretty rough time for me lately. And so my friends and I started watching Shira last month. And it's brought a lot of positivity in my life. I started doing wood burning of Shira characters and I found that I have quite a bit of passion for that. So I have fun doing that every day or whenever I can do it. And that's just brought a lot of joy into my life that I didn't have before. I also find myself being able to concentrate on Shira and then the show and then the, the art and the podcast, which I didn't have before because I have extreme trouble with concentration with the trauma that I witnessed with my dad. And then also 
I just love the representation that she brings. I didn't necessarily have all that when I was a teenager, being 31, but it's just so beautiful to see that people have that now, and then even for myself to have. But it's just such a great show, and for me, like to bring that light to myself and to others, and I can see the light now, and don't worry, Bo, it's not that kind of light. So one of the things that maybe is the most impressive to me is is people that Shira has inspired to create things, uh, or, or has inspired them to like reflect on their even their process of creation. So the people we're about to hear from have all been thusly inspired by Shira, and I think that's incredible. Hi, Eric and Lauren. Lauren and Eric. I wish a show like Shira was around when I was younger. I think I desperately needed the message that you can go through trauma and still be happy. I found a lot of comfort in writing and the Catholic Church growing up. I would win writing competitions and my old church community always wanted me leading youth events. When I realized I was queer, my church, which helped me navigate my childhood trauma, suddenly became a centerpiece to new trauma. I burnt a lot of bridges lashing out. Catra's story is my story in many ways, though sadly, not many people came back to me. Despite my best efforts in trying to overcome everything I've been through, I haven't been able to write much. Shira's got me inspired to write. Fanfics of all things? Who would have guessed? You have to start somewhere though. I've gotten confident enough in my writing again that a few weeks ago I took my friend and pastor's invitation to do a faith reflection at my new church, a united church. I shared my story about faith and queerness, and a lot of people were moved. Someone even said I had a gift for storytelling. I haven't heard words like that in years, and I don't think I would have found the courage to even go through with it if it wasn't for watching Shira. So, thank you, Shira. Hey, my name's Anaya, and my pronouns are she, her. I've been a Shira during a time when I and basically everyone around the world was trying to adjust to what we were calling the new normal. Shira gave me joy and hope when I was starting to feel a bit hopeless. As time crept on, the world kept reminding me that my identity as a black queer woman meant my life being threatened. This is and always has been my normal. Nothing about this was new. So I found myself clinging to that joy that Shira offered me. I made a research project to examine what Shira tells us about queer love, especially during these times when the Trump-Pence administration continually attacks queer and trans lives. I use queer theory and close analysis to think about the messages in Shira and how they can be applied in real life. Famed black queer feminist Audre Lorde asserts that women must cast aside male models of power that tell us to suppress our emotions to be strong. Horde Prime, this masculine villain, tries to spread his version of peace throughout the universe by silencing and murdering life. He promotes this idea that power is built upon suppressing love and individuality, but he is defeated by the love, specifically queer love that he belittles and tries to destroy. I'm going to talk about this and other pop culture topics on my video essay YouTube channel called Queering Pop Culture. Thank you so much for this podcast. It's really difficult to put into words just how impactful and cathartic it's been to watch this show. Um, but I'll try. In May of this year, my mom got diagnosed with cancer, and so I started knitting her chemo blankets. 
which led to me spending a lot of time thinking about my family, my relationship to them, their relationships with me and my sexuality. And while thinking about all these things, I watched season five of Shiva. And like a lot of mid-20 gay gals, I latched on to Katra, seeing a lot of my teenage issues with emotional vulnerability and just trying to feel important to anyone really reflected in her and reflected on teenage me. But then I got to that line, you're worth more than what you can give to others. And I thought about the chemo blanket in my lap that I had been spending every minute since my mom's diagnosis knitting till my wrists and fingers hurt at nights, as if me giving this to her before her first treatment would be proof that I'm a good daughter, that I love her, that I'm giving my everything to her like a good daughter should. I don't know if that proof was for me, for her, or for society, but I hadn't thought about it. I still finished the blanket in time for her first treatment, but it got me thinking a lot about how I handle my emotional labor for other people and how much I'm worth, and I've been thinking about it ever since, and that's really something important, I think. All right, I think that about brings us to the end, everybody. I want to thank everybody who uh, who sent audio files to us. We so appreciate you just running down the list this episode. We heard from Avery, Agatha, Megan, Nathan, Aaron, Clara, Daniela, Amelia, Jacob, Hadas, Jared, Alex, Jennifer, Jem, Anaya, and Paige. Oh, and uh, one other one that you'll you'll catch in a second. Yeah, we just have one more submission. It's from our friend JB, but actually, it's our moral. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We will see you at least one more time because there's two people you didn't hear from about what Shira means to them. And uh, we got (laughs) you. Hey there, it's JB in Chicago, uh, the host of the 70s Batman podcast and Doctor Who Gives a Fuck, a drunken Doctor Who podcast. I just wanted to congratulate Eric and Lauren for making it to 100 episodes, closing it out. Great run, guys. I'm going to miss the podcast. Hope you will do another one. And now it's time for our special guest. Uh, This little guy's been sheltering in place at the CAH Studios since the lockdown began. Hey, everybody. It's your old pal, Lucky. Were you able to find me on today's episode? Uh, dude, this is an audio podcast. No one can see you. Oh. Okay. Do you have a lesson for us today, Lookie? I sure do. It's very important in this troubling time where everyone's getting sick that we all remember to wear our masks, wash our hands, and keep six feet away from our friends, our family, and even people you don't really like or who don't like you. And it's also super important to remember to vote out the evil horde on November 3rd so that everything will be all right. Well, that was a little oversimplistic there, Lookie, but uh, we'll go with it. Thanks for listening to She-Ra, Progressive of Power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, progressiveofpower at gmail.com, 
or to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash progressive of power. <laughs>